Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barr. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is where you can hear us. And guys, we have a lot to talk about today. Obviously, Major League Baseball. Look, trade deadline is kind of heating up. We're starting to get into that under a month sort of zone here. We'll get into that. We absolutely will talk a little bit about the NFL. We have got to get into the NBA, which completely and utterly owned the headlines. And we might touch on that new realignment in college football as well. So a jam-packed show today that we've got to get into. And I want to say happy Independence Day to everybody out there. If you're listening right around that time, hey, I hope you guys had a really nice three-day weekend and enjoyed yourself. I want to start off with the NBA. And I want to start off with the NBA because, you know, it, it is so weird how it, it just dominates when when a, a off-sport dominates the headlines. When an off-sport dominates the headlines and we are not aware of it during the offseason is really even more entertaining. You start to think about the times where an off sport can dominate the headlines. And most of the time, we sort of know, right? I mean, the NFL draft dominates the headlines in April, but we sort of know it's coming. We sort of feel that it's coming. It's scheduled. It's going to control the narrative. Sure, of course. The same with the NBA draft, even though it's not been as productive and it has huge lately. Sure, the NBA draft as well. It's going to dominate the headlines. We understand its place. When you have off sports that dominate the headlines out of nowhere, this is the interesting stuff. Even the baseball, Major League Baseball trade offseason, sort of the free agency signing period, when you're talking about the owners' meetings and whatnot, even that is almost expected for a short time, right around the owners' meetings. We sort of had that that have that expectation. But it's it's the time where things drop. You kind of wake up and you go, whoa, I did not expect that. And that was this NBA week. The week in the NBA this week turned around from, all right, okay, hey, you know what? Uh, we expect some moves here and there. And we expect some signings to just the wow moments. And the wow moments led to the odds absolutely switching across the country, which we will talk about, the NBA betting odds, which are just uh, staggering, uh, staggering switches at this point. So, you know, you look at opt-ins and opt-outs and then this and that. You know the opt-ins are coming. You know the 
opt-outs are coming. You understand some trades are going to be moved and some moves are going to be made. But this was just uh, one of the most blindsided sort of things. As a matter of fact, Brian Windhorst, who we've had on the show before, he came on ESPN in, in a masterclass of how to <laughs> keep people hanging on the edge of their seats. For like three minutes, he had the ESPN crew waiting on every word saying, what is going on in Utah? He's asking questions. What? And he's got he's got the meme with the two fingers up, his two-pointer fingers up. What is going on in Utah was kind of the question. And people had fun with it and the meme with it. Uh, hours later or, you know, the next day, really, we found out what was going on in Utah. And Brian Winters basically said, hey, something weird's going on in Utah. So we had a lot of speculation of what might happen. We had a lot of conversation of what could go down and what could happen. But overall, I think all of us are, are massively shocked at the way that it all went down, at the way uh, when the dust settled, and for lack of a better term, when the dust all settled, what happened was just monumental in the NBA and in the NBA offseason. And it controlled the narrative. And not only did it control the narrative, not only did, was it good for sports talk, it controlled the sports betting landscape. So we will take a look at that. So uh, let, let's go chronological timeline here and start to have a conversation. So it was announced that Westbrook looked like he was going to opt into his $47.1 million contract. Sure, we all sort of expressed, okay, that, that was going to happen. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean he is a Laker, but it means we're all pretty sure that that was going to happen. You know, you look at him returning to the Lakers, and you can say it's a bad fit. You can say you don't love it, but what is he going to do, right? I mean, $33 million, he's got to opt in. Forty-seven. I'm sorry, $47 million, the 33-year-old has to opt in. It's just what he had to do. I don't think any of us were too shocked that he opted in. It was really his only choice, whether he fits with them or not. And I still believe, I know that a, a lot of the odds are out there about new Lakers coach, and, and I'm sorry, where we, will Westbrook be? I still believe that the new Lakers coach is the reason why he's going to be there. So, all right, okay, mild, uh, you know, decision, I'm going to say, not really considering, okay, whatever. Kyrie Irving opts in also. And I saw a lot of people kind of, oh, wow, they were a little shocked. Shocked that Kyrie Irving opted in. Really? And even Kyrie Irving puts out on his Twitter account, you know, uh, being normal, rules of world, but uh, be a, being different, changes things. Uh, this weird Kyrie Irving-esque type of tweet that just, he wants to show everybody he's so different. I'm so different. I'm a trailblazer. What the hell are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about, Kyrie? I've defended Kyrie. A lot. This is one of those. Are you nuts? Basically, Kyrie, your two options were to take $37 million and sign on and opt in for $37 million to stay with the Brooklyn Nets or go to the Lakers for $6 million. Don't tell me it's abnormal and you're a trailblazer. You changed the future by deciding to keep $30 million. Everybody's got it. That is the, the epitome of not normal. If you would have went to the Lakers for $6 million and left $31 million on the table, now you're not normal. Okay? Now you're going against the grain. Don't give me this cryptic nonsense about, oh, you know, you're a, you're a trailblazer and you're somebody different and, oh, boy, what a... 
you know, what are you? Come on, Kyrie. Come on. No one's buying that nonsense. No one's getting into that nonsense. And that's all it is. It's pure nonsense, Kyrie. You opted in because you had $31 million on the table. That's why you opted in. This is not unusual. This is not shocking. This is not an eye-awakening moment. This wasn't a defining Kyrie moment. No, you opted in because you didn't have much choice. You weren't going to leave $30 million on the table. That's why you opted in. That's why you opted in. So don't give me that. Kyrie signs with Brooklyn, opts in with Brooklyn. Nobody's shocked. I'm still not shocked. Nothing, nothing alarming. No big deal. The one thing I will say is that you look at Kyrie and you go, okay, Kyrie's on. That means Durant's coming back, and here we go. We got the band back together. Everyone's ready to go. All right, Brooklyn Nets, after Kyrie said he signed on, the Brooklyn Nets were co-favorites to win the NBA championship. Co-favorites with the Golden State Warriors to win it all. The minute Kyrie signed on, here you go. Kyrie and Durant in the playoffs, going to run it back again. They're still dangerous to some. Uh, you know, everybody kind of loading up. Here we go. And then the news came out. Kevin Durant turned around and secured his legacy by saying, I want to trade. Kevin Durant has four more years left in Brooklyn on his contract. $198 million left on his contract. Getting paid almost $50 million a year. But he wants out. Kevin Durant is demanding a trade. He's demanding a trade. Kevin Durant has secured his legacy, and that's what I'm saying. A lot of people are turning around and going, you know, KD wanting out in this spot. He's tarnishing his legacy. Tarnishing what? You can't tarnish a legacy that's already tarnished. You can't make something even more dirty. I mean, ah, it's really, it's filthy. I'm going to make it more dirty. No, no, no. All you're doing is securing your legacy, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant went out there, and he made sure people understood that's what you're doing. Every naysayer about Kevin Durant only chasing a championship. Every naysayer about Kevin Durant not being able to be a man on his own and win on his own. Every naysayer about Kevin Durant only going out there and trying to jump on a team and get that ring and coattail it. They were all proven right. Kevin Durant asking out of this contract. That's all it was. That's what he's doing. Kevin Durant is sitting back and just, look, I want to jump to a team that's going to win. And before we jump on Kevin Durant too bad, let's all just be realistic here and say, this is what LeBron has done. This is LeBron James. It's no different. KD assembled his team in Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Nets, by their own admission in many ways, bowed down to KD. They told KD, Here's the keys to the kingdom. Bring in the players you want. Bring in the system you want. We'll change the jerseys for you. We'll paint the court for you. KD, the town is yours. Brooklyn, here you go. Here are the keys to Barclays. You know, sleep upstairs. Have free food. I mean, they gave him every, here you go. You are now the Brooklyn Nets. And in order for KD to come to Brooklyn, that was kind of the deal that had to be. We all know that's the situation with the Lakers. There's not a Laker, there's not a person in that Lakers building with a backbone that will stand up to LeBron. LeBron has chosen the coaches. LeBron has chosen the coaching staff. 
LeBron has co- chosen the teammates. LeBron brought Westbrook in. LeBron did it all. And they failed. They failed flat on their face because LeBron doesn't know what he's doing. Well, KD did it all too. The Nets fell flat on their face because KD didn't know what he was doing. But the Nets gave it to him. They gave him everything. And when he destroyed this Nets team, which he has done, and when he wound up putting his imprint and his mark on the Nets and the Nets didn't get it done, now he wants out. It's typical KD. It's ca- typical Kevin Durant fashion, isn't it? Kevin Durant fashion. And, and, you know, you talk about cryptic tweets. I guess it's just something that the Nets do. But cryptic tweets, he can't turn around and put a tweet out. You know, only the people that were locked in the building in the gym with me know what's going on. What are you talking about? What, what, what is this nonsense? Only the people. Only the, only the real ones. Only those guys. Get out of here, KD. You're chasing a championship because you, you couldn't go out there and win one on your own. And you just watched the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry reinvent themselves another time, winning another championship. Steph Curry has surpassed you. Surpassed you on the all-time list. And now, because Curry continues to keep winning without you, all it does is hurt your legacy even more. You want to talk about tarnishing a legacy. Tarnishing a legacy is turning around and having KD leave and teams not win and Steph Curry stay and teams win. KD isn't tarnishing his legacy by asking for a trade request because that is his legacy. When you talk about Kevin Durant, you could talk about the spectacular player. You could talk about, you know, the thin assassin and all this. And, uh, oh, you could, you could talk about his game and his dynamics. And you could talk about his killer instinct. And you could talk about how he might have been better than LeBron at some point. You could talk about all that. But with that all comes what KD has done. He chases championships and can't get it done. Kevin Durant is not a guy that can put a team on his back and lead them to a championship. That is not my opinion. That is what he has told us. Kevin Durant needs to go to a handmade team, a hand-picked team, a team that has already had success or is on the doorstep of that success. And KD can put you over. KD can be that guy to kind of shove you over the threshold, sure. But he's not building it himself. KD's not the guy to go out there and build something on his own. He tried. By his own admission, because he's asking for out, he failed. You know, you start to wonder what was going through KD's mind. Is it the Harden nonsense? Is it bringing in Ben Simmons? Well, you didn't want him. Oh, I brought in Harden. Oh, I didn't want him. Uh, you know, Kate, Kyrie signs on, opts in, and KD leaves. That's that's your problem. If you had a problem with Kyrie Irving, that's a you thing. Because you brought in Kyrie. And I assume that's where this stems from. But you don't you won't hear that. You know, this will be spun by Kevin Durant enthusiasts out there and fans, and I'm sure his agent will leak things. You, you'll hear Kevin Durant wasn't happy with this or didn't like that, or Kevin Durant 
you know, the direction of the team. You'll you'll hear all the talking points about how he's a team player. He just wants to win. And they didn't treat Kevin Durant right. And he didn't like what he saw here or there. Or, or There's some problem. You'll hear all of that nonsense coming out of the Kevin Durant camp. And you'll hear it for a while because they're going to try to fix this reputation here. You'll hear it at nauseum. The insight. Nothing definitive. But you'll hear the whispers. Oh, yeah. Durant didn't like this. Oh, yeah. Katie. Uh, uh, we didn't know. We didn't hear about it. But Katie played with seven broken legs. Yeah, and, and Kyrie and him didn't really get along. And, oh, oh Ben Simmons came in, and that bothered him, and, and he didn't like this. And, you know, the train outside of Brooklyn wasn't exactly what he was. I mean, you'll hear all sorts of nonsense. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be nonsense, pure nonsense, coming out of the KD camp. The reality is, is KD, Kevin Durant, is trying to chase a championship. KD knows he cannot build it on his own. Kevin Durant understands he needs help that he doesn't have on the team, that he cannot build on the team, and he wants to leave. And now the teams are coming up. You have options like, well, I'm hearing the Atlanta Hawks. I can tell you right now, I don't think I don't think Kevin Durant's going to the Hawks because I think Kevin Durant still has a lot of power on where he decides to go. You're hearing the Hawks. You're hearing the Grizzlies. Grizzlies make a lot of sense. He goes play with John Morant. That makes a lot of sense. But who the Grizzlies would have to give up would actually hurt the, the basis of their team. I don't think he goes to Memphis. It's not a winning franchise. I think he wants to go to a a pretty sure winner. So I don't think he goes there. The two big names right now, you're you're hearing the Toronto Raptors. Okay. Toronto makes a little bit of sense. KD up in Toronto, sure. You could see that. It's generally a weak East. Okay. But let's be honest. Can anybody envision KD going to Toronto with the supporting staff or lack thereof that they have there? No. We know what KD wants. He wants a championship-ready team with championship-ready players. That leaves two teams, the Boston Celtics and the Phoenix Suns. The Boston Celtics are a team, I don't think they need KD. I don't. I think that the Boston Celtics are right on the doorstep. The Boston Celtics obviously were right there, right down to the finals, without Kevin Durant. Why shake this team up? I'm hearing things like Jalen Brown and Williams and Smart. And why shake the core of your team up? If you think, you know what? We could get there without Kevin Durant. We did get there without Kevin Durant, I should say. And we almost got to the championship without him. We almost hoisted the the trophy without him. Add a couple of pieces. We don't need Kevin Durant to break up the core of this team. And then you got the Phoenix Suns. And the Phoenix Suns, to me, are the only destination. There's only one team KD is going to go to. Why? Well, they've already been on the outs with Aton. Miles makes a little bit of sense there. And you start to get into a position of, I think that that make, make, makes the most sense. I think Kevin Durant winds up in Phoenix. And if he winds up in Phoenix, you'll hear the conversation that he's taking a Phoenix Suns team and pushing it over the edge. Like we said, push it over. Phoenix has been there. Phoenix has been the best team in the league two years in a row. Phoenix is right there on the pres- uh, right on the, the doorstep of a championship two years in a row. They're right there. They need something, eh, something to nudge them over. Kevin Durant comes in. He's the nudge. And Durant knows that. I go there. I'm playing with, with all-star caliber, Hall of Fame caliber players. Kevin Durant knows. You go to Phoenix, you get to take on LeBron one-on-one. At this point in his career, and boost yourself up. You get to take on the big boys. It's a tough West. I get it, but look at what Phoenix did without me. 
I'm the missing piece. They, they could Phoenix could win a championship right now without him. So Kevin Durant feels like I'm the missing piece there. I think it's Phoenix or bust. I do. I don't see Boston. And I'd be very surprised if he takes like an Atlanta or Memphis or Toronto. By the way, real quick before we go to break, um, <laughs> I found this pretty interesting. I put this out on Twitter because it really was uh, quite interesting and, and kind of funny for me. Kyrie Irving, since the day that he stepped on Lucky the Leprechaun at midcourt, do you remember that? He walked over in Boston, and Lucky the Leprechaun is the, the half-court symbol, and he walked over and he stepped on and kind of squashed Lucky the Leprechaun at half-court. Since he did that, here's what happened to Kyrie. Two games later after that, he got injured for the rest of the playoffs. After that, the mandate, the ridiculous mandate in New York, forced him to miss half a season. Because he missed half a season, he lost $20 million. The Celtics then swept the Nets in the playoffs. Nike did not renew his contract. And now KD's leaving town. Kyrie Irving said stepping on Lucky the Leprechaun has been massively unlucky. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't mess with Lucky the Leprechaun next time, Kyrie. I, I would say that that's, that's a good piece of advice for anybody. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we do get back, lots more NBA. I'm going to talk about teams that did make moves and why I don't think the Celtics need KD. Well, it's because of the moves that they made last week. Where are their odds? Because they are certainly rising. All that and more right after this, right here on Wagering Week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, what are the odds? We've been talking about it. Where will Kevin Durant wind up? The Phoenix Suns are leading the way. No surprise there. Plus 165. The Miami Heat plus 250. Brooklyn Nets 8 to 1. Clippers are 9 to 1. The Bulls are 10 to 1. Portland Trailblazers, they are 14 to 1 along with the Sixers. Memphis is 15 to 1 along with the Celtics, 15 to 1. Milwaukee and New Orleans come in at 25 to 1. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are 30 to 1. Golden State and the Lakers, you could get at about 50 to 1. That is what are the odds? Yeah, look, Lakers, Golden State, not going to have what it takes. I think he would love to go there. Uh, Minnesota's gaining, was gaining some speed. I, look, Minnesota's, he's not going there. New Orleans makes it. Look, I'm, I'm hearing Zion. I'm hearing New Orleans. little chatter there. He's not going to Milwaukee. I, I, I mentioned Boston. I, I don't think Memphis either. I mentioned Philly briefly, not really. Portland? KD's not going to Portland. Come on. Nah. The Bulls? The Bulls are the one, and and the Clippers, I don't think he's going to. The Bulls and the Heat, I know they're gaining a little speed, steam here and a little speed, and maybe, maybe. I can't I can't say definitely no. I mean, maybe. It just doesn't seem likely to me that those would be destinations that he would be okay with. 
It just doesn't seem very likely to me. All right, let's talk about some of the other moves that were made, and we'll we'll talk about you know things like that that actually move the needle. Okay, so I'm only going to kind of check this out for moving the needle. Uh, like a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, two years, nine point three million dollars with the Warriors, he doesn't move the the needle. Damian Lee doesn't move the needle. Um, Jalen Smith to the Pacers doesn't move the needle, right? Um, you know, Kevin Herter to the Kings. I, I mean, I guess people like that. Kevin Looney, you know, to the Warriors. That that's that's a, a decent one that you could talk about. Mitchell Robinson to the Knicks, four year deal. Rubio to Cleveland. Aaron Holiday to the Hawks. Otto Porter to the Raptors. Otto Porter to the Raptors is nice. It's not going to move the betting needle, but that's nice. Um, you start to look at. Andre Drummond to the Bulls. Okay. This is one that won't move the betting needle, but this is an interesting one. Look, Drummond's a flawed player. We understand that. But he's also got a little bit of upside. He's got he's got a good fit there that I, I sort of like. Gary Payton to the Blazers three years. Kevin Knox to the Pistons. All right. Okay. Kevin Knox has been a bust. We know that. But jumping over to the Pistons, uh, this is a... a Roll the dice that could work out well. Uh, JaVale McGee to the Mavs on a three-year deal. I, I'm surprised about this. This one shocks me. I don't love the deal, but it does. it's a shocking deal. Marvin Bagley with the Pistons. It, here we go. It, again, another project. Roll the dice. Patty Mills to the Nets. This is a nice, nice little move. I, I mean, this is a nice move. Uh, uh, you, you want him back there. Thaddeus Young uh, to the Raptors. Uh, too expensive, sixteen million, but overall, okay. You're not, you're not shocked about something like that, but it could be a, a nice little move. Uh, Joe Inglesia to to the Bucks, nice little move. Wesley Matthews to the Bucks. This is, this is a nice little move. You know, these are these are small moves that no one's really talking about, but they're a nice move. Nicholas Batum to the Clippers. Okay, you know, twenty two million dollars for two years. This is a a. Bigger deal than I think people are, are making it seem because of the money. Uh, P.J. Tucker to the Sixers. Again, we we knew this one was coming down the pipe. We knew about it, but I still think it's a pretty important deal. DeAndre Jordan goes to the Nuggets. I give a, a rest. The big man will give a, a rest at times. Victor Aladipo to the Heat. One year, $11 million. Okay, sure. Aladipo. I mean, it is what it is. Jalen Brunson to the Knicks got a lot of publicity. Four years, $110 million. Everybody knew. The Knicks made a bunch of trades to try to clear up space to get Brunson. They wanted to get Brunson. Brunson was their guy. Brunson said he wasn't even going back to Dallas, so he didn't even give them kind of a meeting. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't understand the, Nets, uh, the Knicks moves ever, so it is what it is. Royce O'Neal to the Nets. Uh, Deontay Murray to the Hawks. He'll be he'll land there. Tyron Prince goes to the T Wolves. He re-ups Alec Burks, uh, Nurris Noel, and two second round picks from the Pistons to the Knicks. That was in the salary dump by the Knicks to try to kind of things. John Wall, by the way, um, to the Clippers for a mid level exemption. This is a little bit weird because I didn't expect you know him to be on the move in this spot. And then you have basically what I call the line movers, right? The two big moves that absolutely can impact things and can move the lines. And it's I'm talking about two moves, but it really is three moves that wound up turning into uh, two different moves. So Malcolm Brogdon comes over to the Celtics, but so does Gallinari. 
So it's two, it's two separate moves, but I'm going to compare it and package them all into one. So Brogdon for 2023 first-rounder, Daniel Thies, Aaron Nesmith, Jawan Howard, Nick Stauskas, and Mikhail Fitz. Boston robbed the rest of the league, really, with this move. Absolutely robbed it. This is a huge move. You could argue that the 29-year-old guard is, is exactly what Boston was missing from a championship team. Now, I like Gallinari. I don't want to bury that here. Because I think that he's certainly somebody, he was a Boston fan. You see him when he was younger. He's certainly somebody that the fans are going to like. He's certainly somebody that could be a nice role player. He's certainly somebody that jumps into the fray and you kind of, you, you go, okay, you know, this is this is the kind of player that um, can make an impact. Yeah, I like everything about him. But Brogdon moves the needle. Brogdon did move the needle. We'll talk about that in a moment. He is, look, he's going to miss a portion of the season. Right, We know that. He's just going to miss a portion of the season. But it doesn't matter, right? They can be real easy on him. They can manage his minutes over the course of the year. They can keep him low. And, and they need him for the playoffs. That's it. You know Boston's making the playoffs right now. And they need him for the playoffs. I think this is a huge move. Absolutely massive move for Boston. You, you compare that with some of the other moves. And it's the biggest move of the offseason here. Up until this point. And Gallinari, you include... Basically, what you're doing is you take you have to take them as a combination. And you're going, okay. You know, Gallinari could be depth. He could be minutes. Brogdon, you need for the playoffs. Two different players. Two different styles. Two different fits. But they both fit really well. They're both really good fits on a Boston team that I think got better. And they were in the finals last year. I think Boston got better. Brooklyn got worse. The Sixers got worse. Milwaukee stood pat, Miami stood pat, Toronto stood pat, and Boston just got better. Everybody in the East either stood pat or took a step backwards. Boston, to me, not only took a small step forward, this was a pretty large step forward for the Boston Celtics. This was a steal, not only of the team that they were dealing with, but it was a steal through everybody in the East. If you are in the East and you're looking at, uh uh-oh, what did Boston just do? That's exactly what your reaction should be, Uh uh-oh, because this is a massive, massive haul by the Boston Celtics, to get both of these guys. And you want to talk about Massive Hall, the big trade that went down. Rudy Gobert to the T-Wolves. So this was a shocker. It was a shocker not only because of who went, but how it went, what the price was, and every other thing. So let's dig into the Rudy Gobert trade. Um, First of all, I want to put it out there, and I did this on my Sunday show on Waterbet Weekend Edition. I wanted to make it very, very clear. I think Rudy Gobert is a heck of a player. I think he's a fantastic player. I think Rudy Gobert's defense cannot be overrated. I think what Rudy Gobert could give to a team cannot be overrated. I like Rudy Gobert a lot. Look, he's not a top 10 player in the league. I don't think he's a top 20 player in the league. But he's an all-star every year. He's a defensive player of the year candidate every single year. And I think that kind of player gets overlooked in today's NBA. Sure. So I want to lovingly scream about how much I like Rudy Gobert and what I think Rudy Gobert can be. He goes to Minnesota where I don't understand the fit. I don't understand the fit with the two bigs there because the NBA today doesn't need two bigs. The NBA today, they're going to get run around in circles by really fast guards. I like what Minnesota's building. I like what Minnesota's doing. 
The Minnesota T-Wolves were a team that before the year began, I told you guys, keep an eye on them. They did really well in the playoffs. And it seemed to me that Minnesota's future was, was coming, right? I mean, this was a team that was gelling at the right time. I liked the pieces that they had. And yeah, I thought that they should make a move or two that needed to shore up what they were doing well, that needed to be in a position where it could put them over the top. We talked about the Kevin Durant nudge. Well, I thought that the Minnesota T-Wolves deal could be something where they needed a nudge. Rudy Gobert is not that. Rudy Gobert is a complement to something that they already have. You're strengthening a strength. You're strengthening a strength of the big man in the middle that they already had. And their the Minnesota defense is going to be better, of course, because you're bringing him on. But the Minnesota team as a whole, including specifically the offense, they're not any better. As a matter of fact, they're probably marketably worse here. So Rudy Gobert to the T-Wolves, just for face value, what it is, Rudy Gobert to the T-Wolves, I'm going, all right, okay. Uh, you know, it, it, it's solid. But what you have now, you have two... $200 million centers on a team in a generation and the way that the NBA is going where centers are just an extinct dinosaur. I've always liked centers. I liked centers throughout my career. I, I was brought up during Ewing, Olajuwon, went on to the David Robinson school of thought, uh, you know, Duncan when he was basically playing center. I love centers. Okay, even now, I'm a Jokic fan. I love the big mans. I love centers. I like Shaq when he was there. I like the dominant big men in the middle. I think that the NBA is massively needing that kind of game. I think that the NBA is massively wanting that kind of game back. But I think the game is passed. I think that the dominant center is gone, and you're paying two of them $200 million. And while Carl Anthony Towns is more of a hybrid type of center— and you don't mind him kind of handling the ball and bringing it up court and taking the mid-level jumper and all that. Rudy Gobert is not. Rudy Gobert would have been everything that, uh, you know, you look back at the Alonzo morning days. That's that's the era he should have been in. Alonzo and Ewing and, and Elijah and all the guys that I just mentioned. Because he's not really a scoring center. I, I want to even say he's almost a scoring liability offensively. He's a big-time defensive center, defensive guy, slow down the court. And now you pay in these two $200 million. $200 million. I, I mean, you're gambling on a system and a you're gambling on a Gobert Carl Anthony Towns front court that nobody else is instituting in the league. Nobody. Minnesota went all in. When you say go all in, they went all in. So on... Just the trade surface itself, if somebody turned around to me and I didn't know details, and they said, oh, by the way, here's the trade that happened. Rudy Gobert is now on Minnesota. My thoughts would have been what I just shared with you. Ooh, I don't think that's a good fit. I don't know about the two big men up there. Is he somebody that was needed? My thought process would have been, I'm not sure that this works. But then... You get into who they gave up. Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, Walker Kessler, Jared Vanderbilt, Leonardo Balmaro, and then picks 23, 25, 27, a swap in 26, a top five protected pick in 29, four first rounders, Beverly, Beasley, Kessler, Vanderbilt, Balmaro, and four first rounders. 
This is insane. This is an absolutely moronic, insane, idiotic, what are you doing? Take away his telephone and don't allow him to trade Minnesota deal. What was this? Guys, if I read this trade and I replaced the name Rudy Gobert with Kevin Durant, and I said Kevin Durant was traded for Pat Bev, Beasley, Kessler, Vanderbilt, Balmaro, and four firsts. I would say, you know, I think they overpaid. But all right, I, I could sort of accept it. They overpaid, but I could accept it. Carl Anthony Towns and Kevin Durant running together. All right, that could be fun. That could work. That would be my reaction if this was Kevin Durant going to Minnesota. Kevin Durant going to Minnesota. That's my reaction, guys. Rudy Gobert? This is Rudy Gobert. This is a good defensive player. Defensive MVP even. But it's not Kevin Durant. So, I, I mean, I look at this. I, I just go, what are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? I, what are you doing? This is this is just terrible. Terrible. And for the Jazz, you know, we talk about Brian Windhorst going, something's going on in, in Utah. A plus, 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 plus grade. And I think that you could keep Donovan Mitchell now. Donovan Mitchell didn't like this. He was already fitting his New York New Jer- Knicks jersey. That's it. He's out of town. Donovan Mitchell's gone. And and basically, Utah said, okay, Donovan, we're choosing you over Rudy. Stay with us. We're bringing in help right now. Beasley and Beverly will be help right now. Even Kessler, okay? Help right now to stay competitive. We're going to have a lot of freed up money here because we got rid of all that money. We're going to have freed up money. Plus, we got four or five, uh, four first-round picks coming. Utah's turning around to him. We got new coaching. We have a new direction. We have a new team. Stay with us. And I think that this is an A++ move for Utah. Minnesota, I don't I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't get it in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not the only one. Let's look at the odds. So we mentioned the odds, okay, what they had been. Let's talk about the odds right now. Because the odds right now, what they show is that the Boston Celtics, everybody loves their moves. The sports books love their moves. They move them up. People have come in and pounded it right away. Immediately afterwards, the Boston Celtics were plus 625. They're at plus 550 in a lot of books. They are the number one team overall in all of the NBA in a lot of books out there. Them and Golden State's right behind them. But Boston's right there for chances to win the championship next year. People love the, the they, people like the Celtics anyway, but they loved the, this move. Loved it. Golden State's probably, uh, you know, depending on where you're looking, six plus 600 plus 625. The Clippers are about 600. The Suns are about 600. That's on the move, though, because people are speculating that they're going to Kevin Durant. I've seen that getting lower and under 600 as well. Milwaukee's 7 to 1. Miami Heat's 10 to 1. The Sixers are 12 to 1. Lakers, 16 to 1. Dallas, 22 to 1. Denver, 22 to 1. Notice how I. That's the top 10 for uh, to win the NBA title. It's the top 10 for the championship. Notice the two teams I did not mention. The two teams I did not mention, the Brooklyn Nets. This time two weeks ago, guys, the Brooklyn Nets were sitting there basically in a tie for first place. Certainly in a tie for the number one overall in the East. Depending on what sports book you were at, they were basically in a tie to win the NBA championship overall. They have dropped out of the top 10. 30 to 1 or more right now in some spots. 30 to 1 or more. But the interesting thing about that is the day Kyrie signed, 
everybody just said, oh, here we go. You know, getting the band back together. And their odds actually went down. They, they were they were the prohibitive favorites the moment that they signed. Here you go. Then KD says, I'm leaving. Boom, everything is uh, in upheaval. <laughs> and you have what we are sitting here and looking at right now, which are the Brooklyn Nets are not even in the top 10. The Brooklyn Nets, right now, when you're looking at this, they are behind uh, just in the East. They're behind Boston. They're behind Milwaukee. They're behind Miami. They're behind Philadelphia. Just in the East. They're at five. And, and the odds are moving, by the way. So they might get even lower. The minute KD leaves, they're, they're going to get lower. I mean, that, that's just reality. I mean, wow. <laughs> wow. You say what you want about the 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 impact of all of this, and, and we see that. And then the other team that is literally not mentioned, right? Did I, did I mention the great move, the dynamic move for $200 million? Did I mention the dynamic move for the Minnesota T-Wolves? No, I did not. So Minnesota, after the move, after committing $200 million, after the huge trade for the defensive MVP perennial every year, oh, after that, they still be on the Warriors, still be on the Clippers, still be on the Suns, still be on the Lakers, still be on the Mavericks, still be on the, ne- the, the Denver Nuggets. That's six teams. So with that huge trade, massive, oh boy, wow, can you believe it? What a move, what a huge move. Rudy Gobert, oh my goodness. After that, they're still pushing, barely, fighting for a playoff spot. So it's not my only only my opinion here, guys. It is reality. It is the reality of what this situation is. Even the sports books kind of don't like it. I know anything could happen, right? Anything could change. Anything could happen. We know, oh, anything, Tom. Yeah, anything can happen. It was just a terrible, terrible deal. And the numbers will show it. The Boston Celtics making great deals. And the numbers certainly show that. And nobody has any faith in the Brooklyn Nets any longer. No, it doesn't look good at all for a KD-less Brooklyn Nets team. And it's looking like that is going to be it. By the way, the minute that the Phoenix Suns do sign KD, you're going to see those odds skyrocket. They will be the number one favorite. And I can pretty much say that almost about anybody. Just about, I could almost say that about any team. Um, that is really in the competition, that that their odds will skyrocket. Absolutely skyrocket. I mean, how much better can a, a team like Boston get? But the odds will certainly skyrocket. But that's all down in the future. Let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the, the future. future. Bet to the future brings us to the NFL. Yeah, we're under 70 days away. So Bet to the Future brings us to the NFL and the Superbook Sports out in Las Vegas puts out a line for the 2023 Super Bowl early line. Yeah, the AFC is minus one and a half. NFC is plus one and a half coming back. 52 and a half is the total. And that is Bet to the Future. Yeah, Super Bowl lines. AFC, NFC. I never like to do that. I, I just don't. I'm not that guy that likes to go out there and take, uh, you know, either either or. AFC, NFC, whatever you want to go with it this early. I think this early is just crazy. I really do. I mean, I lean AFC because I think that all the good teams are in the AFC. But as you saw it the last couple of years, you only need one dominant NFC team, Tampa and the Rams, uh, to go out there and win that. So not touching it. Nope. But it is a little fun. Real quick, I do want to touch on a little bit of NFL news here. Um, a little NFL news is 
uh, Deshaun Watson this week. Remember, the Browns wanted to have an adult in the room while Deshaun Watson, during his trial, was sitting there, and uh, Baker Mayfield was throwing a charity event. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just to, get, to give you an idea. Uh, the, the, the news still is not out there about Deshaun. We're still not sure. It's leaning towards a year suspension, though. Everybody I talked to that I was skeptical with, everybody that I said, you know, guys, I, I really don't see this being a long extended period of time. Keep telling me, Tom, you're wrong. The NFL is really pushing for a full year. It looks like the NFL is very serious about making sure that it is a year, that it's not going to be any less than that. Um, I'm hearing indefinite used very, very often. I don't think it's going to be that extended. I don't think that we're looking at a Trevor Bauer situation. I still think that it's going to wind up being six or eight games, and I really do hope that I am wrong. I still think it's going to be six to eight games. Uh, but everybody that I have to look, I have to push it across. People that are insiders that are in the know are telling me, Tom, you're wrong. The NFL is pushing hard there. They want at least a year and they really won't settle for more than a year. Now, we knew that the trial, they want to fast pass this. They want to expedite this really quickly and get this done as quickly as possible. The NFL wants it done. Deshaun Watson wants it done. Their camp wants it done. Goodell wants it done quickly. The Browns want it done quickly. The fans want it done quickly. The advertisers want it done quickly. The TV stations want it done quickly. But with a holiday weekend coming up, I didn't expect anything to happen in the immediate right away. I mean, I think we all knew this was going to be a small process. And when you're talking about Deshaun Watson, how long he could be suspended for and all that, it, it was going to be a little bit of a process. So just sit back, relax, and don't uh, fret that it's not coming in quickly. I, I think I originally said we're going to get a, a definite resolution before August 1st. I think I think by like Major League Baseball's All-Star break, like the 15th, 17th, that weekend sort of, I think that that's going to be, it, it almost has to be. I, I wouldn't expect this to drag too much longer. Like I said, every party involved wants this quickly alleviated. Every party involved wants this done. And once it's done, that's when you start kind of estimating where you want to put your bets on. Right now, you could go out there and you could make a Super Bowl bet and feel okay, pretty comfortable. Because even with Deshaun, how many people are really betting on the Browns to win the Super Bowl, right? You could go out there and bet the AFC. Because even with Deshaun Watson, I don't think that your AFC bet is going to be all that hindered if Deshaun plays or he doesn't play. But you really can't put any bet on the Browns at all. Team total, wins, losses, making the playoffs, not making the playoffs. You can't do that. But I also think it impacts things like what teams are going to make the playoffs. If Deshaun Watson is not the starter and Baker Mayfield is not the starter, oh, by the way, and you're starting with Jacoby Brissett, maybe you're a Miami fan or a New England fan or a Vegas fan, um, and you're going, you know, our doorway plus money for the playoffs is all of a sudden a little open. So that's something to pay attention to. And you certainly can't make any predictions at all or any kind of intelligent bet on the north i mean if you're baltimore pittsburgh uh, you know or cincinnati you're sitting around waiting what's going to happen to sean as well you're playing him potentially twice a year and you have to you have to respect the guy's talent level even if you don't respect the guy so it'll all be resolved relatively quickly and we'll get into futures plays once that once that is completely resolved something that is resolved is realignment in college football. So, yeah, let's get this out of the way here because it, it makes my brain hurt to say these things. USC and UCLA are now in the Big Ten. What? Yeah, well, that's reality. USC, from Southern California, is in the same conference as Rutgers. 
from New Jersey. I, 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 look, the conferences, the names don't matter anymore. Locations barely matter anymore. The travel is not what it once was. But it, it it's making a farce of this. When it came out, I got an immediate text from uh, my buddy Tim, the guy that I do the show with, uh, a good friend of mine in Las Vegas. And he said, you predicted this. Within an hour, I got three other texts from people saying, Tom, you predicted this. I did predict this, but it's still shocking to the system. I predicted that we would be at two super conferences, potentially three, and it looks like it's on the way to two. The idea that USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten, it just doesn't sit right with me. And it won't. I'm a guy that still sits back, and I call... City Field, Shea Stadium, even though it's a completely different ballpark. I will call the Cleveland Indians the Cleveland Indians and make that mistake many, many times. It'll take me a while to call them the Guardians. I, I still call them the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. I mean, you know, look, it's just something that I have a hard time adjusting to, and I think a lot of people do. But we will adjust, right? I mean, we will adjust here. How long did it take everybody, anybody that's older, how long did it take you to understand that Nebraska wasn't in the same battle with Oklahoma in the same conference with them, right? How long did it take in college basketball that Syracuse is not in the, the Big East any longer? I mean, it does take an adjustment period. It takes a minute, but eventually we will all adjust. The problem is, is that I don't think that this is the end, and I don't think that they think this is the end. Everyone's sort of waiting on Notre Dame. Big Ten said we're waiting on Notre Dame. Big Ten told Washington. Washington Huskies wanted to come over to the Big Ten, and they basically told them, yeah, we're waiting on Notre Dame. We'll see if Notre Dame wants a spot. And then you have the ACC kind of hanging out there, and the ACC is trying to hang on. And the ACC has a lot of argument because of their, they are a basketball-first conference. But you don't think that the SEC wants to poach Clemson and Florida State from there? Miami? Right? I mean, doesn't it make a little bit of sense? So we have, we're forming two power conferences. What does this do from a betting perspective? Well, from a betting perspective, I don't think it hurts USC all that much, and I think it absolutely cripples UCLA. From a betting perspective, first of all, we have to start looking at long travel. And I'm not only talking about it, which the obvious travel. Well, UCLA playing a 1 o'clock game or a 12 o'clock game on the East Coast against Rutgers or Maryland. Yeah, okay, that's going to impact their body clock. We've talked about that many times. We do that in the NFL. West Coast to East Coast is always brutal. Always brutal. Um, I think that this hurts UCLA massively. USC has the talent to survive this. USC, in a lot of ways actually is the beneficiary of this because USC now plays by the same fake rules and no rules that Alabama can play by. There's about five teams in the country, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma. There's about five teams in the country that play with a different set of rules, and that means you could lose a game, and it doesn't matter. It's not going to hurt you that bad. I think USC can be in that situation because they're going to have the gauntlet of a schedule. USC is going to play the Michigans, Wisconsin, the, the Penn States, and obviously the Ohio State. They're going to play those kind of teams. So I think it helps USC. It destroys UCLA. I think this is a devastatingly stupid move for the UCLA Bruins. First of all, you have the travel. First, second of all, you now have a recruiting problem. Third of all, you now have to take your kids, and the same thing with USC, and play into conditions you're not used to. UCLA has never dominated, never had massive success in the back 12 UCLA has never played a schedule where they had to fly across country, and not only just for that game. Imagine imagine you have to fly across country to Rutgers, play in Rutgers or play in Maryland, go back home, play that game, and then come back to Penn State. That's a very likely scenario, that you have to fly across country, play a game at 12, fly back home, play the next week, fly back across the country and play at 12 again. I mean, it's a very likely scenario for a team like UCLA and UC USC. You also might be flying 
into a place where, okay, you know, you're playing a 9 a.m. body clock game in five feet of snow. That's something else they're not used to. That's something else that the recruiting's not used to. So I think USC has the team, the style, the important parts, the coaching staff, to kind of be okay here. I think that this helps them long-term. Short-term, it might bang them up. Short-term, I might be fading. Short-term, I think the travel can hurt them. Short-term, I think the weather can hurt them. Short-term, I'll be looking at USC playing these this gauntlet schedule. USC's never had to go at Ohio State, at Michigan, home against Penn State. I mean, they've never had that kind of gauntlet schedule. The Pac-12's never been that good. It's just never been that good. Not up and down, no way. So, short-term, maybe this hurts USC, dings them up a little bit. Long-term, I think USC will be perfectly fine. They don't seem like a team to me that's going to kind of fold up and go away. I think they have the infrastructure together. I think they already knew they were going to make this move. That's why they got a new coach. I think that their recruiting will be perfectly fine now in the Big Ten. I think that they'll be okay, but they might suffer some early year problems here. UCLA, I don't think, will ever be okay. I don't think UCLA is ever going to become a team that is going to be able to stand up in the Big Ten. I, I just don't. Maybe you'll have that spark year here or there where you get a great quarterback, but overall... The travel is going to be brutal. The weather is going to be brutal. The recruitment is going to be brutal. UCLA was not very good in the Pac-12. I think this hurts UCLA a lot. If you are a UCLA fan and you're a UCLA football fan, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be dark days. I would go on record right now saying UCLA will not sniff, forget about a national championship, a Big Ten Conference Championship game in the next decade. It's going to take them more than a decade to get their footing. And they may never get their footing. They may... Look, Nebraska turned around, and Nebraska was a powerhouse conference for years and years and years. Nebraska left their conference, and they've never been they've never been a threat in the Big Ten. I mean, they just haven't. You know, there are certain schools that will do certain things in certain conferences. UCLA doesn't say to me that they're going to be able to compete in the Big Ten. I think this is a devastatingly stupid move for UCLA. And I understand the finances of it. I understand wanting to move to get the exposure. I understand why they did it. I just disagree that they did it. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Enjoy the 4th of July. I hope you guys enjoyed the weekend. And, hey, we're getting into the dog days of summer. We're going to come back. Next week, we're going to talk about more trade rumors. We should have some activity as we are less than a month away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.